Before I do my usual quote that we start this on, I do want to give a quick content warning for this episode. We will be briefly dealing with the discussion of sexual assault in a story. Um, I just wanted to let you know before we go in, I will give a warning before we talk about that part, so if it's something you need to skip over, go ahead. I've heard there are kids who win their parents' approval by getting good grades in math, or by dancing in the lead in their school's ballet recital, or by simply being the best kid they know how to be. And it's a little different when you've been mentored by, uh, in sorcery by the ruling elite of the homo magi, especially when two of them happen to be your mom and dad. Expectations tend to go through the roof. And today, I'm really wishing the ballet recital had been an option. Aloha, bienvenidos, and welcome to Noob Island, a place for nerdy fun, friendships, and learning. Much like the starting zone of many video games, the goal of our residence is to lay down a fundamental understanding of a geeky concept for a newcomer before sending them out on their way into the wild world of nerdery. Our subject this time around is curious about magic in the DC universe. Professor Z, what's our lesson for today? Oh, it's the mistress of magic herself, Zatanna Zatara. Oh, a litter of com comic book names. You know, we'll talk about it when we get to the, like, stuff we read. I have never once called her Zantana until they had a bit in the comic about how she's Zatanna, not Zantana. And I've done it, like, four times since then. <laughs> I also couldn't say that <laughs> until they brought up the bit about Santana. And that's why the guy's rationale was why he was doing it. Because Santana was uh, headlining beforehand. I was like, oh, so that's what they're trying to get me to say. <laughs> and I black magic woman. Uh, yeah. Black magic is so poorly defined in these, like, what what counts in anything, yeah. in, like, almost anything. That's black magic. How is it different? Yeah, it's bad. No. Things. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, black magic. So, I will be covering Zatanna's story basically from the 1950s. Well, uh, she appears in the 1960s, but in the... Universe of DC from that took place between the 1950s and 2011 before the New 52. Tyler will be telling Zatanna's story from the New 52 onwards. Zatanna Zatara is the daughter of Giovanni John Zatara and Sindela, who is a member of the Homo Magi. Now, before I go further on this one, we do kind of have two origin stories. There's the like dominant one. And then there's the one that's kind of developed over the years from the people who haven't read the like canonical one. Mm -hmm. And so we end up with some weird stuff like we have here. Uh, I mean, even in the quote that I just read, a treat it like her parents, both of them were member of the homo magi and part of this like civilization growing up. While in the original, uh, Giovanni Zatara wasn't. He was just a stage magician who learned real magic and decided to fight crime in a tuxedo, which is admittedly amazing in its own right. I had always thought that, like, he had been the homo magi, and he probably, as we discussed last time, has homo magi, like, DNA, which is why he can use magic. But there is also, I'm going to say homo magi a lot this episode, I apologize. Uh, there is also, like, an actual 
group of Homo Magi that are still alive and kicking in the DC universe as their own, like, separate culture. Giovanni Zatara first appears in Action Comics number one, which is notable for also being the first appearance of Superman. Wow. In a lot of ways, that is the most important thing he's ever done, other than Zatanna existing. (laughs) I really like Zatara, but he don't do much. (laughs) I, look, I... He had a kid. I brought it up last episode. I brought up last episode, Zatara these days is most famous for dying in Swamp Thing. Oh, yeah. And we'll get to that. That is literally the most exciting thing he's going to do in this. One time in the Alps, while fighting one of his old villains, he encounter he is injured and nursed back to health by Sindela, a member of the Homo Magi. She goes, marries him, goes back into the real world, and uh, shortly after has... Well, I say shortly after, but the way DC has kind of stretched time, because, you know, Zatara fought in World War II. Zatanna is, you know, 30 in 2021. So, like, Zatara lived a long time in between there. But at some point, has a child with Sindela. Um, In the traditional version, she dies or appears to die shortly after in a car crash. Zatara goes through an alcoholic phase, all bummed out. Uh, Zatara is, was also friends with Thomas and Martha Wayne, the parents of Bruce Wayne. During Zatanna's early years of childhood, there's only kind of two important things that happen. One, she meets a young Bruce Wayne when he comes to Zatara asking to be trained as an escape artist and sleight of hand tricks, not realizing that Zatara was a magician, just, well, a real magician, just, hey, you knew my dad. You can break out of st- weird stuff. Teach me how to do that. Uh, this is actually a pretty recent creation, but it has become kind of a dominant thing that uh, Bruce has known Z from a very early age, and they have, well, never a direct romantic connection, a could-have-been romantic mm. connection. I uh, like that. I actually really like I think it's a good balance. I think they would be great together. Yeah, it's fine. I'm Catwoman till I die, but also... Silver St. Cloud. <laughs> you know I always say that. I know. And it's I'm always a... the weirdest deep cut to take. No, I mean, I am I actually really like the Batman Wonder Woman whenever they get together. but I don't feel that one at all. Yeah, that one always feels... Is this because it happens in Matt Wagner's Trinity? No, it's oh, okay. just I like it whenever <laughs> it happens. It's happened a few different times for different Fair. reasons, and every time it's happened, it takes me by surprise, but I always end up digging it. I like it better than Superman and Wonder Woman, but we're we're talking about Satana. <laughs> the other important thing is a serial killer slash uh, puppeteer guy attempts to kill Zatanna when she is a child. Her father catches him, saves her, turns puppet guy into a puppet and erases Zatanna's memory of the whole thing, although the trauma will reemerge later on in life. Uh, when she is 18 years old, a enemy of her father curses them that if they encounter it, when, when, if they come together again, they will both die. Zatara, realizing this is going on, disappears. Zatanna, who does not know that this curse happened, just thinks her dad 
ditches uh, and goes on a quest to find him. And this is where she first starts encountering the wider superhero universe. She meets Hawkman and Hawkgirl. She meets the Atom and Green Lantern, the Elongated Man. Uh, she's briefly involved in a case with Batman. Uh, she goes under disguise as a witch and is turns out to be the criminal. Not the real criminal, but like masquerades. As, I don't know why she's masquerading as a criminal to try and find her father. But yeah. they wanted to fit her into Batman because... Misdirection. Mm -hmm. Magicians. Honestly, they just really needed to shoehorn Batman into the storyline because this is when Batman 66, the TV show, was running. And so this was the beginning of Batmania. And they went, oh, well, if we're going to introduce this character here, this is the time to do it. Uh, eventually, she locates her father on the world of Karma, where she travels along with magical duplicates of the various heroes she met. She and her father break the curse and defeat the evil sorceress, Allura. Allura is confusing because there's an evil sorceress named Allura, and there is a good sorceress named Allura, and I am pretty sure they are physically identical. They might be twins. I don't know if they're like actual twins or magical projection or what. They're just... Osmosis buddings. Yes, 100% that's what happens. Uh, Zatanna continues her career as a stage magician, where she'll meet other heroes such as The Flash, Supergirl, Green Arrow. They were really just kind of shopping her around, being like, we think this character has legs. Let's let's do stuff. Yeah, that's an unintentional joke there. <laughs> um, <laughs> and she starts teaming up with the Justice League, although she doesn't actually join them for their first several appearances. But she really quickly becomes, well, we got a magic thing. Let's call Z. And she's one of the fun ones of... She has a, there's different levels of Justice Leaguers. Mm -hmm. There's like the big seven, you know, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Green Lantern. Uh, anyways, um, they're part of the league. They're important. They don't build a family a way that a lot of the other league members do. You know, Green Arrow, Black Canary become a couple, mostly through league stories. The, the, the kind of B-level league all get really close connections and they'll come up with nicknames for each other and stuff. And they bond in a way that you're more likely to see in like an X-Man book than you are in the Justice League. Z definitely fits in that like solid B-league. She Even when she's, from this point on, when she's even when she's not in the Justice League, she's a reservist and she's the person they call. They're like, yo, yo, magic's happening. Magic's happening. Dr. Fate is really unreliable. Hey, Z, how you doing? <laughs> We broke the magic thing. Please help. <laughs> Again. When Z does join the league, uh, she is in a new costume and doesn't know why. So her first storyline is figuring out why am I missing bits of my memory and where did this new costume come from? Is it a better costume? No. No, it's the first one I showed you. It is a all oh. blue bodysuit with a boob window and a big blue cape with like a huge red collar attached. It's and not a good. Way too tight ponytail. Yeah, not good. It looked bad. It is. Where what? Oh, and little red booties. Like she, she literally looks kind of like a generic background sci-fi character. Oh yeah, she'd super be a villain on Legion of Superheroes. <laughs> Sorry, I will. She's got other costumes I really like, but like this not one, this is, one. It doesn't work. <laughs> Uh, she I'd be wanting to know who put this thing on me, too. Where did this come from? How do I get rid of it? <laughs> Please. Uh, also, from this time, she starts calling herself Zatanna the Sorceress, as opposed to Zatanna the Magician. 
In the end, it turns out that her amnesia is a result of her mother, who is still alive, trying to establish a connection with her. Her mother had gone back to her people, the Homo Magi, who are going by the name of the Hidden Ones, because, you know, subtlety is really their thing. I will say the Hidden Ones is much cooler of a name than Homo Magi. It's fair. Um, The Hidden Ones sounds like an H.P. Lovecraft story to me. I mean... You know I've been playing a ton of Assassin's Creed lately. Like, The Hidden Ones was the precursor to the Assassins. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> it is a little unclear, because literally the article I'm reading says both and, like, doesn't notice, whether Cindella returned to The Hidden Ones by choice or whether she was abducted. We'll call them A, we'll call them B's my bet. Uh, but it does turn out that The Hidden Ones are maintaining their lives based off of her power. I, I don't know if that's just because she's... It's not well explained. If she's just the most powerful among them or the only one left with magic or what. Uh, but whether she you know went back willingly or not, she does end up sacrificing her life at the end of this story to make sure Zatanna doesn't get caught in the same position. From this point on, Zatanna is a regular member of the Justice League. Uh, she ends up being super vital when the secret society of supervillain manages to body swap the Justice League hmm. and figure out who they are, among other things. Because, you know, well, I'm in Green Lantern's body. I guess I'll take off the mask now. Not that, okay, Green Lantern's a terrible example because it's a domino mask. And also, like... And no one knows who Hal is anyways, but, like, the Batman reveal's big. That, in in retrospect, makes the reveal from Superman to Clark Kent feel really... That'd be underwhelming if that happened. It's like Charlie Chaplin lost a Charlie Chaplin lookalike contest. It might work better than you would think. Yeah. (laughs) During this time, Zatanna does, as far as I can tell, her first mind wipe, which will become a pretty major story for her in later times. And I will complain about it more as we get deeper in. But she erases the memories of these, uh, of the Secret Society of Supervillains, so they don't know who the villains are or who the heroes are anymore. Shortly after this, she teams up with Superman in order to uh, help explain his vulnerability to magic, which is mostly just Kryptonians didn't really use magic. Magic was never a major part of Kryptonian culture, so they have no defenses against it. You got no immunity, kid. Uh-huh. You never played with any magic bugs, so you never <laughs> you never grew that thick magic skin. Kinda, Yeah. Is Zatanna just from Jersey in your version? (laughs) Um, Apparently. So, if you're bringing up magic with Superman, though, like, the weakness isn't so much the sort of weakness he has with Kryptonite. No. It's just that, like... It works against him. It works on him. But he still is superhumanly powerful, so he can still shrug off a lot of things. It works on him a little better than most other attacks would, like shoot him with a magic laser versus a normal laser. He's like, ow! Right, or like <laughs> like a fireball might burn him. Mm-hmm. But like the easier the best way to use magic against Superman is by rewriting reality around him. Or mind control powers. Yeah. I would make a magic unbreakable glass and just lock him. Lock him in that. Oh, he'd be so mad too. That oh, works so yeah. well. <laughs> uh, and just place it next to the bottle city of Candor. Yeah. Working as one of the most reliable members of the League, Zatanna actually overuses her powers 
uh, to the point that they start to burn out and she becomes limited to elemental magic, meaning she can control air, earth, fire, or water. I looked. I could not find at what point this goes away. There's a couple of places where it could have come, or her powers could have come back, but they never specifically say, at, you know, at now, Satana does the backward spell stuff again. She just, you know, took a, took a powder and recharged. Left a league for a bit. Uh, whoever was writing after that person left forgot that this was a thing. Or just didn't care enough. <laughs> or just to, didn't care. Didn't, All of these are common comic book solutions. Liked the uh, backwards uh, it's speaking her, spells. It's her best thing. It's like... I will say with my uh, with my dyslexia, it was a little challenging at a couple points of wanting to read the whole sentence backwards as well, not just the individual words. Yeah, I, mm. I always am like, well, I'm going to read what she's actually saying, and it sometimes takes like four or five tries to be like, oh, oh I get gotcha. it now. Okay. The, yeah. more, the more I read Zatanna, the faster it goes, but if I ever don't for like a bit, even like a couple of days, I'm like, oh, God, what's happening now? When I was reading... Through this, uh, at times, I was like, I wish I could ignore this and not try to read it backwards. Honestly, yes, same. A couple points, I was just like... But I sure can't. I can't. <laughs> I <laughs> just can't ignore me. it. <laughs> I gotta take a look. What is it? What's what? she saying? <laughs> uh, during this time, she encounters villains including the Shrieker and Dark Zatanna, who is an evil mistress of magic who lived in a dark dimension and attempted to kill her uh, stage manager, Jeff... To, to weaken her. Zatanna manages to stop her dark mirror, and we never talk about this moment again. Um, I'm sorry, but how does killing her stage manager weaken her, other than, like, your friend has been murdered? I'm, I'm guessing it's the my friend was murdered. Okay, but just the way, <laughs> the way that was proposed, I was imagining some sort of, like... Cosmic leverage, like Blood I killed your stuff going on. I killed your like, friend, and now you don't have magic. Oh no, I was thinking it was more along the lines of she's been too famous for too long at this point and can't operate very well without her managed her stage manager. Oh, that's also a very very good. Point. I don't know what's happening. I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> what is my schedule? <laughs> Where am I supposed to be right now? <laughs> she's just late for every league meeting from now on. Although throughout this, the book. She's she's late to most everything. Um, with magic powers, even still, she's yeah. She's about as bad as the Flash, and the Flash is like that's the longest running Flash joke. Which that he's always I like late. that. That's funny to me. <laughs> right? good. There's a reason it's existed since 1955. I do. I I do like that it grounds her a little a lot more in that like she just yeah she's late because she's too. Frickin' busy. Well, Zatanna's powers are the kind that it would be really... It would be so easy for her to suffer the Doctor Strange complex of there's always a solution, so the way to weaken that is find other things to trip her up as opposed to just, well, I'm stronger than you. Karmic balance. Uh, yeah. Just make her kind of a mess at times, and it evens out. Um, she was, one of her last missions with the original League was to help the Blue Devil, who at the time I think was just a guy wearing a Blue Devil, like, robot suit, circuitry suit, although he later becomes an actual Blue Demon, Blue, yeah. blue Devil. Uh, I, I, I want to make a Cyber Blue Devil, who's an actual Blue Devil, but also some sort of techno Blue Devil. And Copyright actually, this podcast. An, <laughs> an actual blue demon devil, but like in a robot body. 
Like no, he, like he was a dude who was like wanting to be a like this old gimmick is Blue Devil, and then um, like he has a robot suit to do this, but then like makes a deal with the devil. Devil doesn't know this, just sees this guy and just turns him whole in, and it's like now he's a techno de- devil, who's blue. It's actually not wildly different, other than he loses the circuitry thing. Sorry, tangent. This is a very weird sentence. Just in advance. When the original Justice League disbands and Aquaman forms Justice League Detroit, (laughs) Zatanna joins up. We are going to stop and explain that sentence real fast. (laughs) Justice League Detroit. (laughs) Okay. Please. Led by RoboCop. No, it's led by Aquaman. But, so... (sighs) Same person. This was a comic created by Gary Conway, who is one of my favorite comic writers, but also this just didn't work. Uh, Teen Titans was the most popular book in DC at the time, and it was much more grounded. It took place in, I don't remember if it was San Francisco or LA, but like it took place in a city. They're not up in a satellite. They're not, they're, they're connected in a way they hadn't been before. Uh, and it's a bunch of young for the early 80s, uh, varied people, not just, you know, a bunch of old white guys. Uh, so they decided to bump Justice League sales. They were going to do the same thing. So they have a storyline where Aquaman is one of the only heroes that shows up for a major emergency because all of the Justice League members were too busy. In a rage, he kind of unilaterally seizes control of the Justice League and declares that you can only be a member of the Justice League if you can devote a certain amount of time to it. If you can guarantee that when the call comes, you'll show up. Which, in fairness, is not a bad idea when you're going to be the on Justice the Justice League. League. Like, I did, Yes, I like the concept. My question is, how many hours are we talking? Because if, if you're wanting like a full, I'm on call... 24-7. Most of the heroes that operated during this time didn't have day jobs. And none of them had solo books, except for maybe Aquaman. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is where the characters, uh, where Vixen emerges, where... Okay. All right. This character's name is a racial slur, and they just haven't updated it. But it's a... It, I don't want to say it. It's a name for the Romani that starts with G that's oh. super racist. Um, oh yeah, took me a second. I'm trying not to say it anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, vibe comes from this era. The breakdancing Mexican. Oh, vibe was unfortunate before the TV show got their hands yep. on him. Uh yeah, I didn't know that he existed before the era. Nope, he was uh, based off breakdancing. Right when the breakdancing craze was calming down, wore like. Right when you should get into fads when they're, yep. when they're more like off. a bandana and a vest kind of costume and was super, super Mexican. You also should have seen him. About I like the super Mexican part. Not in a good way. Oh, <laughs> like they tried, but it was a lot of stereotypes. About 15 years after the breakdancing fad ended, you should have seen when he got heavily into pogs. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that wasn't a joke, because that would be amazing. Wait, that's not a joke? No, it is a joke. I wish it wasn't. Oh, sorry. Uh, I I didn't hear you say that incorrectly. Sorry. And then, for reasons that no one understands, this team was situated in Detroit. 
Uh, that one entirely uh, is just like zoning. Mm-hmm. The funniest thing about this is Aquaman forces everyone to quit if they can't commit full time and then quits shortly after himself because he can't commit full time. So he's like, I'm leading this league of the people who are professionals who mean it later. My wife's back. Yeah, guy, you ran a whole underground, a I, whole underwater empire, basically. I think he was exiled at the time Aquaman gets exiled. A lot. A lot. But, like, also, <laughs> a lot means he gets brought back a, a lot. lot. So, like, man, you could go back to Atlantis eventually. You just, like, you have responsibilities. You also got to be in charge of the entire ocean and, like, making sure nobody's messing with the ocean. You gotta, so let's be real, Aquaman isn't going to be hanging out in Detroit for that long. Exactly. So, like, just, like, weird you're getting so touchy about our commitments on on Justice League. All Aquaman. I'm going to say is this is the least Zatanna episode of a Zatanna podcast we've ever done. I'm sorry. No, it you're fine. So I started this conversation. We couldn't not talk about Justice League Detroit. Uh, wait, does... Uh, so... Zatanna joins during oh, that okay. time. Sweet. Uh, she again helps Blue Devil against Nibiros. Uh, uh, helps deal with the Crisis event, Crisis on Infinite Earths, where during these events, uh, supernatural forces that surpassed every being and entity on Earth were unleashed across the world. Now, this part, you can actually help us out a little bit because you've read this story before. And a number I of times. Not. That's weird. I I can read this part if you want, and then you could just kind of jump in. On yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm curious what you say first, and then I'll fill in. So, with a looming threat of a creature known as the Great Darkness, which go ahead and explain the Great Darkness real fast for us. He'll come up more in the Constantine episode, but yeah. So the Great Darkness is is like the primordial darkness. Like everything we think of darkness, this is the prototype. And it's unleashed due to the psychic fallout of Crisis. Hardcore. Uh, Constantine recruits, who is Z- Constantine, who is a former boyfriend of Zatanna, recruits Zatanna to help out, and her father Zatara comes along because apparently he had once taught her tantric magic moves, and Zatara's like, I'm not letting you out of, out of my sight. With my daughter, which we should point out at this point, Zatanna's at the youngest in her early 20s at here. So Zatara, back the heck off. (laughs) Everyone's an adult in like all of these stories. So like, come on, Zatara. But he's from World War II. Yeah, he's going to have. But anyways, he's got some old world ideas. Zatara forces himself into a seance. Uh, to fight the great darkness that he was not invited to. During this seance... He was. He was? Okay. There's a few uh, different magic users. Uh, Constantine is part of the the seance, as well as Sargon Sorcerer, I believe Baron Winter, because I believe it's happening at Winter's It takes place. place at Winter's house. I know that for sure. Um, I want to say somebody else is in it, too. Uh, I'm blanking, though. But... When the darkness... Sargon already has gone up in flames, so they kind of... he burns. Yeah, and, like, they just have to hold on to his hands while it happens and not break contact. Yikes. And then when the great darkness turns its attention on Zatanna, Zatara forces it to come after him instead. Oh, damn. 
Yeah. And she has to hold her father's hand while he burns to death. Satana has a rough time oh, dear. for like all of the 80s, if we're being honest. This is going to enter into a pretty dark time in Zatanna's. She still maintains a level of positivity that's part of the reason why I like her. I love characters who are just like, I've seen horrible things, but I'm still going to be chipper. Well, I'm like, man, what we do is wild. Let's appreciate that for a moment, you know, because the bad stuff's going to happen, too. I do. I do appreciate characters who do that, too. After Zatara's sacrifice, Zatanna returns to her career as a stage magician and begins wearing her classic stage magician costume again in memory of her father. Uh, this will become, while well, she'll change costumes a few times, her dominant costume for the rest of her career. And of all the costumes I've seen, my favorite one. Yeah, easily. Uh, she'll help out the Hawks, Hawkman and Hawkwoman, against the characters like Kite Man. Why they needed help with Kite Man is absolutely beyond me. Uh, they just didn't want to do it themselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's too embarrassing. Come hang out with us. Kite Man. We were all out for brunch, and we saw Kite Man, so it was just, like, easy to take care of. Like, it was no big deal. Don't worry about it. We don't even need to write up a report or anything. Kite Man. It's fine. During this time, she starts noticing her mother's presence nearby. I am unclear of whether that's, like, her actual ghost showing up or just, like, I sense my mother, who is dead at this point. And she begins to go on a quest to save the Homo Magi and to find the secret source of her magic. This adventure was interrupted by the evil Allura. Remember, there isn't good and an evil one, although the evil one is always the important one. Like, I think the good one shows up long enough to undo the curse that if she sees her dad again, she'll die. And then they kind of just stop talking about her, from what I can tell. Zatanna, during this time, eventually learns the secret of her own magic and escapes a trap that Allura had stuck her in, and then just goes home. That conflict is never resolved. What happens with Allura attacking? Don't know. Eh, just panned out. Uh, you have to remember, at this point, Zatanna never had her own, still doesn't have her own solo series. She won't for another roughly ten years. Wild! Uh, Mid-90s is the first time Zatanna gets a solo series. So... If the writer changed or anything, it's really easy for these, like, background characters that come in and out of other people's books to for just... stories to go completely unresolved. Mm -hmm. That sucks. I don't like that. <laughs> Zatanna gets herself a roommate named Sherry, who happens to be a follower of a cultist known as Adam. Uh, Sherry and Adam lure Zatanna into a trap where Adam is attempting to obtain Zatanna's homo magi DNA to make himself more powerful. He succeeds, but then he immediately falls into a catatonic state because he is unable of dealing with the power. Zatanna, with uh, Martian Manhunter and the a young great hero whose name I will... I'm going to find out what her real name is so I can just... Cynthia. And not the Romani slur. DC's not fixed this yet. I mean... They just stopped using her. Well, that that's their way of fixing it. I know, so. but like... Cynthia, Martian Manhunter, and Zatanna decide to help Adam, despite the fact that he had just, you know, stolen all of these powers. She uses her magic to enter Adam's mind, saves him, uh, befriends him, and steals back her own powers. I get the sense that Adam was going to be intended to be a romantic interest at this point, but then he is immediately murdered. 
Dun, dun, dun. In her next appearance by the evil demon Wotan, who was also a villain of her father's. I mean, seems like she's got a bad uh, batting record for uh, lovers and them. For dying. the most part, yeah. So, could be worse. Could be worse. Could be Batman. Daredevil. Ooh, Daredevil takes the cake. Nothing good happens when you date Daredevil. Wotan, should be pointed out, is not Odin. Is not, you know, the god. He's just a powerful sorcerer who kind of sucks. Also has a bright green and purple costume. It's yes. not great. Zatanna is forced to team up with Madame Xanadu and the Spectre to defeat Wotan. During this time, she encounters Zatara's ghost who Wotan had captured and was controlling after uh, Zatara dies, and in theory, says goodbye to him for the last time, although this will become an ongoing thing with her. She'll have final appearances of her father's ghost for years before finally it just becomes a thing that she can call up her dad whenever, whenever she needs, and he can't super help other than, like, here's advice, here's some fatherly love. Go kick their butts. It's like Wilson on Home Improvement. Just gives Sage like advice. It doesn't really ever actually help with the problem. Just shows up. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, yeah. What you want to do is something. Perfect. Yeah. Zatanna attends a gathering summoned by the Spectre, where all mystical beings decide to continue to protect mankind for the seeable future. Uh, they stop. They help stop an alien invasion in a series literally just titled Invasion. It's got an exclamation point at the end. Uh, however... So you have to yell it. Yes. It's invasion, not In invasion. Invasion! Uh, however, immediately after this point, she retires and moves to San Francisco. Good retirement spot. <laughs> uh, she will continue working as a stage magician, but mostly just live a quiet life. For most of the 90s, she's not that active. She pops up when a big magic thing happens, when the Justice League needs a magic person... Or when Tim Hunter from last time's Books of Magic needs help because she is the only well-adjusted magic character in all of DC. Yeah. She has her flaws. She has difficulties with the dating life. That I feel like would come with this job. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. But like, if you need to learn about magic, you much more want to learn it from Zatanna than you do from John Constantine. Yeah. Although he's my second pick of out of the people that I can think of. A lot of people die. Oh, yeah. No, I don't think it's a great pick. You're much more likely to live through Zatanna. Oh, she's yes. my first pick. And now I'm trying to think of who's all who else would be well-adjusted. Like, Kent would be as well-adjusted. It's just half the time it's Naboo. Yeah. No one who wears the Dr. Fate helmet is someone I'm going to list as well-adjusted. Uh, my limited knowledge of it, but the Atlanteans who do magic, maybe... Uh, oh, I could see, like, yeah. Tempest, maybe? or not oh, Tempest, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Like Garth? Yeah, yeah, Aqualad. Yeah. I mean, he does get murdered, but he was well-adjusted until that point. During this time, Zatanna gets her first miniseries where she gets a 90s remake. She stops using words backwards and starts using magic items, you know, wands or books or whatever. Objects of power. Yeah, objects of power instead of her innate magic. And she gets what the internet just describes as a battle uniform, 
but I have not been able to find a picture of this. So I don't know if that just means like a black bodysuit or like armor or it's the 90s. It could include giant shoulder spikes. I We just don't oh, know. No, it's not giant shoulder spikes. It's just some humongous shoulder pads. And pouches. Pouches galore. And now I'm just imagining if Rob Liefeld designed her and I'm sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd be sad if Rob Liefeld designed any character. She... Briefly goes through this stage and then immediately returns to class. As always, they always do. Anytime they try to, like, wildly revamp the character, they return her to classic Zatanna in her stage magician outfit, working part-time as a superhero, part-time as a stage magician, and just living her best life. Because it works. Yeah. It freaking works. When the Justice League is thrown into the far-off Atlantean past to go save Aquaman, which is a story that we do not have time for right now, a uh, backup Justice League is formed, and Jason Blood is hired as the occult source. However, he realizes through weird magic stuff that what they actually need is Zatanna, and sacrifices himself in order for her to be saved, um against a villain named Gim Gamine. I'm sorry, I've not read this. It's not a it's an interesting story, but it's not the world's best comics. Uh Zatanna ends up casting a spell that allows the water-based Aquaman to control the entire ocean as his body, allowing him to sink Atlantis in the past, in present, and disrupt Gamine's power. We're gonna have an Atlantis episode, and I will look deeper into this by that point. So wait, wait, is this saying that at that, that point, Aquaman was controlling water and literally became the ocean thanks to a Zatanna spell. That's very cool. Uh, but also that he sunk Atlantis twice? Throughout yeah, it's time pretty somehow? wild. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot happening in the Obsidian Age. Um, around this time, DC releases a book called Identity Crisis, and here is where we are going to put that content warning that I mentioned earlier on. We will be dealing with matters of sexual assault for a few minutes. So if that's the thing that bothers you, skip forward like five minutes. In Identity Crisis, it is revealed that at some point in the past, the villain Dr. Light sexually assaults the wife of the elongated man, Sue Dibney. She's also murdered in that story. Nothing good happens in that story. Yikes. I really liked it when I was young, and I read it a few years back and went, oh, this is wildly problematic. A, like, upbeat character is assaulted and killed as a story plot. Uh, yeah. Sorry, guys. It's well written, but the cost is not worth it. It is revealed, and the reason why this is coming up, that Zatanna and the other League had caught Dr. Light when Sue had set off a, like, uh, distress call. They capture Light, and they're going to erase his memory, but Light at this point basically goes full feral and declares that he's going, like, he's done this once before, he'll do it again. And they decide to try to excise that part of his personality to cut out the, like, really predatory monstrous part, basically doing a magic lobotomy. It sort of works and sort of doesn't because they also 
affect Light's intelligence, <sighs> and he becomes a joke of a supervillain for the next 20 years, honestly. He goes from, like, a, a Justice League villain to someone that the Teen Titans are beating up. Like, Beast Boy is defeating on his own. The other big thing, while all of this magic lobotomy is going up, is Batman shows up, tries to stop them, and the League frees him, Zatanna freezes him, and erases his memories of this incident. Zoinks! Around this time, all even though this happened even before Justice League Detroit, we're talking about it now, one, because it's a major retcon, and two, all of this comes out, and Batman, who's very fond, remember, of Zatanna, is very, very betrayed. One, because of wild consent issues. Two, because they lobotomized a villain and, like, a truly disgusting human being. So I'm not defending light, but also don't lobotomize people. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. If this story came out today, it would never fly because of the wild consent issues. But this was a major part of DC Comics for a while. Like, this couldn't, like, this would be shut down before oh, yeah. it even got pitched. It is also revealed during this time that Zatanna had messed with Catwoman's mind. Over the last several years, Zatanna, or Catwoman had become a hero from a thief. And it is revealed during this time that that was at least partly through the manipulations of Zatanna. It is later again revealed in an attempt to retcon this really terrible story decision away that Zatanna didn't do anything that Catwoman wasn't already capable of or directing, but just kind of subconsciously directed her more towards the side of good. Catwoman, who was already having major identity issues, though, doesn't really care about that weak argument, uh, ties Zatanna to a chair, duct tapes her mouth shut, and throws her out of a skyscraper window. I don't think that's an appropriate response. <laughs> Again, but don't I not, do that. Don't but... <laughs> do that. Yeah, don't yeah. do that. But like, I can't fault you. Like, that's... I get it. I get it. I understand your anger there. For the rest of their... Ex... don't do that. <laughs> yeah, just... For the rest of their just existence, don't up through the New just 52, uh, Catwoman and Zatanna will have stories tied together that starts with, you know, Catwoman repeatedly trying to murder Zatanna, Zatanna trying to make up for the fact that she messed up here. To not friends, but to some level of understanding with one another. Zatanna and Batman's friendship, however, will become very bad for a while. To the point that when he calls her in on a case, she asks why me, and he goes, I needed someone to trust, but you'll have to do. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Again, very understandably, he... he Batman seems like the guy and a guy who would hold a grudge. <laughs> and don't mind white people. Don't. There's, there's big consent issues. Yeah, it's like pretty easy. However, over time, uh, they do kind of slowly fix their relationship. He starts referring to her as Z again, as opposed to, hey, you probably knowing Batman. <laughs> when they end up teaming up to fight. Or he starts to, calling her by her last name. <laughs> Zatanna, what everyone calls her. <laughs> oh, what's her first name then? Oh, no, I guess her last name is Zatara because she's Zatanna Zatara. Yeah. Yeah. Or calling her Zantana. 
Uh, <laughs> during this time, they team up to solve the murder of one of Zatanna's former employees who died in, in the show of a man named Loxias. Loxias is revealed to be the Joker, who... Uh, How many alter egos does the Joker have? I, I feel think like he just gets bored sometimes. And he's like, sure, I'll be a stage magician and murder people for a while. He's just writing a lot yeah. of work. Honestly, on the scale of Joker things, that's way more up his wheelhouse than some of the choices he makes. That's true. I just, yeah. I'm just thinking that if you were to try and pull off a, a person's face in Gotham, there's like a mm, 1 in 32 chance that you might just find the Joker beneath that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Joker shoots Satana and locks her in a tank of water. He has the upper hand against her and Batman at first, because Batman's, you know worrying about Satana, and is also, in fact, at this point, tied to a stage chair. Batman manages to break out of the chair and use the chair to free Satana from the tank. Uh, afterwards, Bruce stays alongside Satana while she rests through the night, implying a much deeper affection for her than he shows for basically anyone who's not a Robin or a Batgirl at that point. At the end of this, Zatanna asks why they don't actually start a relationship, and while Batman admits that he wants to, he's really scared of bringing her into the darkness of his world. Which, on one hand, pretty fair, Batman deals with some messed up stuff. On the other hand, she sort of held her dad's hand while he burned to death to stop the original evil from coming into the world. So, Batman, get over yourself. <laughs> like, yes. She has dealt with some dark stuff. She also used to date Constantine. Yeah. <laughs> She's probably been through a lot more than Batman has, if we're getting real down to it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is... Also saw a murder when she was young. Yeah. Was almost in a murder when she was young. <laughs> was almost uh, in a murder. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, you know, I was almost in a murder when I was young. At, they end this point as really fast friends, and from this point on, while he doesn't contact her as much, she is one of his closest allies. It is revealed that she went into that conversation with, hey, Bruce, let's date, and left with, like, oh, dang it. <laughs> like, this, is, this is not going to work. When she finds out that... Um, Bruce is engaged to a woman named Jezebel Jett in a very weird Grant Morrison story. She ends up going to Catwoman and encouraging Catwoman to admit to her feelings to Bruce. They also end up not a couple, but it, it's at this point that both of them fully admit that they are super in love with Bruce, and Zatanna kind of admits that Bruce isn't necessarily in love with her. Again, they kind of exist in the in a different world. They could have been a thing. Uh, but by the end of this, her and Catwoman have largely made peace. As Zatanna briefly rejoins the Justice League, helps out until right before the Blackest Night Crisis. Uh, during the Blackest Night Crisis, she has to fight a Black Lantern version of her father. So evil undead version of her father. Uh, after the trauma of that, she retires for a while, goes back to being a sage magician, and writes a book that is wildly successful called Hex Appeal, The Modern Girl's Guide to Magic, which I really want to read. <laughs> is this a real book you no. could read? No. Uh, bummer. Major misstep by DCs. Yeah, why didn't they put that out as well? I love that kind of like 
incontinuity books being published in oh the i'm world. a sucker for in-universe books oh it's mm-hmm. so good star wars does a bunch of them which is great in a support group run by etta candy who was a wonder woman sidekick zatanna recounts how she failed a magical ritual uh that she was trying to do to find her father's tomes Several magicians are killed in this, and in the trauma of it, she loses control of her powers. But for some reason, around the same time, she takes on an apprentice named Misty Kilgore. Uh, That's a a great name. During this time, goes through very adventures with Misty Kilgore, regains her powers, and uses them to stop a group called the Sheeta. This is a very confusing story to talk about because it's part of an ongoing event by Grant Morrison that was doing a super team where the team never meets up once. So it was six individual miniseries that all tied together to a greater story that you that yeah. you're it, they're, each one is supposed to be a standalone miniseries. But you also get a wider story of the battle against the Sheeta if you read all of them together. And it sort of worked. I mean, that's a wild concept that I it was don't know really how it could. cool, and the wider meta story is pretty cool. But a lot of the miniseries as standalone series don't work great. Yeah, I could I could never see any of those actually working as a standalone. We actually considered doing um that story, Zatanna Seven Soldiers, for our read through, but before that exact reason, standalone. Yeah, it's okay. It could be better, which As is part of the greater narrative. It's great. And there's some really cool things that happen, especially when they're moving through different dimensions. But uh, at this point, Zatanna gets her own miniseries, or it's supposed to be an ongoing series. She gets her own solo series, which we will actually save discussion for because that is what is what our reading was. Uh, let's do New 52 real quick. I'm sorry that took way longer than I meant it to. We got yeah, distracted real quick by Aquaman. <laughs> uh, all right. So Zatanna in the new 52 in the current continuity, I guess, as far as like her younger years, they haven't been expanded upon too much yet. The biggest difference being uh, she didn't, she didn't find out she could do real magic until she had already been her father's apprentice for a little while. So she wasn't sitting there being, like, trained how to fly up into the Alps. Did she know real magic existed and just couldn't do it, or...? They haven't went went deep enough into it yet. Zatanna's interesting. Because she almost never has her own solo series, she hasn't been wildly rebooted many times, but it's been wildly inconsistent of some of her past things. Yeah. Yeah, I can see this. That being said, even though her father wasn't... She knew magic existed, she just didn't know she could do magic, because her father was definitely, like, setting her up for, like, knowing of these things. Okay. And her her potential future place to come in it. Because, like, homo magi still exist. Like, yep. And in this case, I believe both parents were homo magi. That's also something that hasn't been uh, quite touched on, but her mom in has almost been not touched on at all. It's been almost all of her father. 
or Sindela hasn't had a major story since the early 90s. Is he still alive in the New 52, or is he... No, um... So between knowing that she is Homo Magi, that she was not uh, initially trained in magic, and that didn't come till later, the next big thing is her story basically picks up with her in her early 20s in New York. She becomes an apprentice to a sorcerer named Nick Necro, who she ends up in a thruple with, with him and Constantine for a bit. Uh, Nick Necro, however, becomes completely obsessed with the books of magic, and her and Constantine kind of just keep their thing going, even though he's off, like, salivating over books. I mean, it's the books of magic, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Nick Necro's a great name. I'm sorry, I just gotta drop that right there. Yeah. mm. So Necro sees that as a betrayal towards him and tries to have the uh, the cult of the cold flame kill them both. Standard response. Doesn't like, work. Yeah, like you do. And uh, he gets killed and sent to hell. Uh, sometimes after, sometime afterwards, her and Constantine break up badly because it's Constantine. Oh, inevitably. Then you kind of don't know again until her late 20s, early 30s. When uh, the first uh, New 52 Justice League Dark actually, like, picks off. Uh, Sometime in between that earlier stint when they were young and now the Great Darkness did attack again. Uh, This time it's implied to be an early incursion from the Upside Down Man and the Outside Dark Forces. All right. Uh, But that... The biggest thing is that her dad and Sargon die again in pretty much the exact same way. It's just not fallout. It's just not psychic fallout from Crisis. Same basic story. Some of the... This happened a lot with the new 52. Same basic thing happened, but some of the details details are changed to make it more interconnected. It rhymes with the old. That's a good way of putting it. That's nice. I like that. Um, In fact, I find a lot of the times, like, if they're referencing something... And I can't remember exactly what happened, but I remembered something similar in the previous Satanic continuity. It's close enough that it just slots into the story. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't have to remember exact. And I'm just like, oh, cool. Yeah, this, whatever it happened, however it happened, doesn't matter. The fact that it happened is more what matters. Let's see. The Justice League Dark comes together for the first time. Uh, Madame Xanadu brings them together when Enchantress loses control. Zatanna alongside Constantine, Shade, Dead Man, uh, a little bit of help from Swamp Thing, some help from Mind Warp and Black Orchid too. We should say that's Shade the Changing Man, not Shade. Those are oh yeah, two yeah, individual yeah. characters. It's not super Good point. important, but it it will bother me if I don't say it. <laughs> they find out the big problem was that Enchantress had been ripped apart from June Moon, and for some reason that was threatening reality. So. They shove her back together and things are good. And the team breaks up, only to come back together like a month later when I Vampire gets killed. And then an older vampire, Kane, raises from the dead who can also eat magic. And uh, she basically just helps kill a bunch of vampires in Gotham while the others go into like the afterlife and figure out things. Oh, cool. Oh, so then uh, Andrew Bennett comes back, I Vampire. 
I can't remember exactly how he comes back, but I know he comes back. We might do... We'll probably do an iVampire episode, and we'll definitely cover it there. iVampire was just straight up vampires are sexy in 2012 book. Um, so I'm going to be a vampire with my shirt off most of the time. Cool, cool. Out of curiosity, <laughs> it was okay. is yeah. this at all related to iZombie? No. This TV is, show and comic book iZombie? No. Uh, that was a book released by DC Comics, but it was completely unique from the uh, greater continuity. Okay. Uh, this is, we mentioned a Baron Winter before, and you read him. In, oh, in Books of Magic. Yes. This was a recreation of him from a Dracula knockoff to a sexy shirtless early 2000s vampire knockoff. Cool. Yeah. Um, Honestly, it wasn't bad. It just was. It's just that. Yeah. It is a it, mid 2000s sexy It was vampire everything knockoff. it wanted to be. That team breaks back up again, but then afterwards, Constantine gets uh, contacted from Steve Trevor and brings together a new Justice League Dark that's under the purview of Argus in order to track down a mystical artifact. He's been promised uh, the keys to get inside Argus's black room, which is where they house all their like super dangerous mystical artifacts. And he gets a tan on the team by saying, hey, when they showed me the picture of the black room, your dad's hat was in there. I can get you your dad's hat back for you. Is he lying? Does he... he is lying. So the new team gets together. They find Felix Faust in South Africa. And the artifact that they were searching for turns out to be a map to the Books of Magic. Uh, Constantine wants to go find it. Z at this point wants to just quit because she's pissed that he lied about the map or about the hat. Uh, but Dead Man convinces her to stay on the team because he knows that him and her are the only chances of keeping Constantine from grabbing the books of magic, which will corrupt him. At this point, uh, the Demons 3 attack, and it turns out that one of the members of the team, Dr. Mist, was actually a mole working uh, for the bad guys the entire time. Very so they, <laughs> We should say Dr. Mist is one of the long list of somewhat forgettable magic heroes in trench coats. Yes. I think he's the only black one, though, so the fact that he was the mole is really disappointing to me. That sucks. So they end up without the map or the key, but Constantine luckily had already looked at the map, so he's like, oh, cool, the books are in Slaughter Swamp. Zatanna does her magic, and she's like, uh, they might be there, but Felix Faust and uh, Dr. Mist are both heading to South America, so me and Dead Man are going to go try to stop whatever they're doing. You go have fun in Slaughter Swamp. Uh, when they get there, they end up fighting uh, uh, Blackbriar Thorn, who's basically just a mini-boss to stand in their way because, oh, look, hiding behind him is the House of Secrets and its new owner, Nick Necro, who has recently returned from hell. Turns out that Nick Necro was the one who had influenced Steve Trevor in secret to start the Argus version of the Justice League Dark in the first place, just to get back at Satana and Constantine. I mean, that's a, that's a real long con. And as she's confronting him at the house, Constantine shows up, Necro unleashes, Satana ex agrees to exchange herself in return for safety of the team, 
gets kidnapped by Necro in the House of Secrets, where he reveals all that to her. Um, he travels, he takes the House of Secrets to Nanda Parbat to get the Books of Magic, which turns out they're there, not Slaughter Swamp, where everyone else went. I don't know. That's, it's the Books of Magic. They're going to be all over the place. Uh, they're here, they're there, they're everywhere. Uh, however, Tim Hunter also shows up due to the involvement of the other team. Uh, Nick Necro knows that Tim Hunter is destined to get the books of magic, so this sort of throws a whole wrench in his plans. So he offers, he makes a deal for John Constantine to kill Tim Hunter in exchange for Zatanna's safety. Uh, Constantine turns, snaps Tim's neck, only to turn out that it's Black Orchid using her shape-shifting the entire time, who then nearly beats Nick Necro to death. Uh, and while they're all sort of, like, stunned watching that, the real Tim Hunter is drawn towards the Books of Magic and goes and grabs them. Satana's the only one that notices in time that that's happening, jumps after him, and they both get pulled into a magical... or an alternate realm called Epoch. Wild. Epoch is a realm where science has almost completely won, ran the one out over magic, like has like waged war on magic, basically, and there's been a big showdown and stuff. Uh, Tim is supposed to be their, their warrior hero king come back to save them because a mage known as the hunter took the books of magic away thousands of years ago and was destined to return and he's supposed to be the last of the bloodline and zatanna basically just helps him fight and like is like no like when later on things are going down she's like i'm not gonna let this realm that's supposed to be at least half magic which we're bringing back like get destroyed just because like these portals are open and doesn't have much beyond it, because then, like, Jack Hunter, Tim's father, shows up, and they end up ruling as uh, wizard kings, and Zatanna goes back to our world. That's a lot. Uh, when they get back, uh, I believe at that point, uh, her and Constantine decide to keep the Justice League dark going, but untether it from Argus, which, fair. Yeah. When the beginning of the events of the Trinity War start. Justice League versus Justice League of America versus Justice League Dark. Basically, the <laughs> longer Trinity War goes on, the less the Justice League Dark has to do with it, other than the Pandora's box bit. Basically, the League is... The Leagues are all trying to get their hands on Pandora's box, and Pandora was a character that was wandering around being mysterious in DC at the time. And if that part is confusing, because I don't have much more to say about it, uh, it's because DC was really confusing. And around this time, they'd been hyping up the Trinity War for a while. And then it turned out just to be a prelude to an event that was completely unrelated called Forever Evil. And uh, that's that's where these characters really start to bow out. Mm -hmm. Like, at least during Trinity War, Justice League Dark's a part of it, and Pandora's box, and, like, the big thing is Zatanna's sides. The big thing for Zatanna is that she sides with on Wonder Woman's side of things. And from that point on, they're pretty good allies. Uh, 
we're kind of skipping over this part, but to be fair, so was DC Comics when they were making it. And it's really so, confusing. It involves a lot of other teams coming together to fight over Pandora's box. Once it opens, the crime syndicate emerges from Earth-3. That leads into Forever Evil. The further Forever Evil goes on... The less Satana has to do with it. Mm-hmm. So moving on! Like, moving on... Past Forever Evil, she basically drops off until James Tinian IV's Justice League Dark. During this time, DC does what's called DC Rebirth, where they kind of relaunch everything again, and they start blending the new 52 with the more traditional DC universe. And honestly, it's one of the high points of DC Comics. Just total. Just Oh, wow. They, they were stop. Ma- yeah. They were making some of the best books of the history of the company at this time. Oh, cool. <laughs> so the latest Justice League Dark run is still ongoing? It hasn't ended yet, right? No, it just recently ended. Oh, did it finally end? Oh, it just hasn't ended long enough ago that the ending is on the app yet. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> but it's literally like the last three years... It's kind of big, especially as we're talking about DC magic because of some of the things that happened towards the end of the run. Um, We'll probably talk about it a lot more in depth when we actually do a Justice League Dark episode in the future. But for Zatanna, during all this, her magic starts going crazy and not working correctly. Like, she tries to summit some rabbits out of a hat and they come up like, slaughtered and dead and bleeding and stuff like in front of an audience yeah oh wow that yikes and things are just not great and wonder woman's been going around trying to get together this new justice league and the justice league sort of broke reality so yeah yeah justice league kind of broke reality and ever since then wonder woman was feeling something was off on like the magic side because She's Wonder Woman, so her foot is sort of like half in that world. And so she's sort of convinces the Justice League to create the Justice League Dark to put together this team to deal with when these sort of things come up because she's pretty sure something's going to happen and things start happening. And then when Zatanna's magic starts going off and she goes and meets with John Constantine and a few other magicians at Baron Winter's place... She notices Swamp Thing spying in on it and realizes things are even bigger than what she thought. Um, She finds him at the Wonder Tree, which that is... God, things are already confusing. How is something only a few years old? Yeah, we might not. We might have to cover Swamp Thing. I feel like you guys. Oh, we a hundred percent are going to cover Swamp Swamp Thing. Thing. He probably will get two episodes if we're being honest. Sweet. Um, the Wonder Tree was a way for the Omega Titans to monitor things down on Earth. The Omega Titans are these cosmic forces that were thought to be the things to start life in the universe. I think I follow you. They fight big magic giants. Okay. Zatanna tries to communicate with the Wonder Tree through Swamp Thing, and it just takes the form of her father telling her that the Upside Down Man's coming as well as the other kind. And they're the ones that originally possessed magic, so they're coming to take it back. Yikes. In that vision, her father also shows her fighting alongside Wonder Woman, which is when Zatanna's like, cool, I'm joining Justice League Dark. Let's go meet up with Man Bat and Swamp Thing and Detective Chimp. And it's the weirdest friggin' Justice League. Uh, that sounds like a great so exciting. League. We're super gonna read that. That is... 
Let's see, Wonder, uh, Wonder Woman almost gets possessed by Hecate, the goddess of magic, for a bit. Um, Zatanna combines her powers with Constantine to try to force an exorcism uh, upon Diana being possessed by Hecate. Uh, that's all complicated. That seems like a wasted effort from what little I remember about Hecate. Isn't she like the goddess of all magic? So she had basically made like five horcruxes. <laughs> That's the reference we're going to make. Okay. Uh, she through certain bloodlines, it seems like, and certain mortals, she had placed these witch marks that contained portions of her power so that she could sort of like slide undetected until it was time for her to sort of rise up and gather all of her power together again. Mm -hmm. But like, that means these beings did possess portions of her power at that point. So they were also slightly powered up, and Wonder Woman being who she is means that she could fight against Hecate's influence pretty well. Okay. So the exorcism, due to Hecate's magic being different, doesn't exorcise her from Diana, but it does release Hecate's power on two of the other witch-marked, Witchfire and Manitodon. Those are some names. <laughs> I like Witchfire. What was the other one? Mana- Manitodon. Manitodon. So the power from their witch marks flow into Diana, which allow her to use that extra power, use that extra Hecate's power to rip open the barrier to allow the upside down man in to eat Hecate to defeat her. Wilds. That's crazy. That's um, that 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 wrinkles my brain to think about some of these uh, grander cosmic magic concepts. Sometimes. So the fallout from the battle means that some of the different magical realms are dealing with their own fallout, including those uh, connected to her allies. So she goes with Detective Chimp to help him with the problems in Mira. A lot of that is a lot more specific to Detective Chimp, but the big thing is that while there, Detective Chimp uh, gives to her a present that was entrusted to him from her father, the Ruby of Life. Oh, that's cool. She goes on a quest with Wonder Woman to try to find out more about why this was left for her. Like, there's a message from her father within it. She knows that Constantine told her some things before he sort of got screwed up in some of the battles. And he actually, the Lords of Order suck. He ended up sort of having to sacrifice himself and got sucked into the Helmet of Fate. Oh, yikes. Like, that kind of suck. Yeah. And so she's like, why is Swamp Thing coming and having to tell me Constantine's last message to me? That sort of thing. Oof. Uh, So while trying to trace down why all this happened, she finds out her father had definitely talked with a few different entities, including Mordru. Uh, Her and Wonder Woman go to the Hall of Justice because that's where the trail leads them, and Mordru, using his immense power as the Lord of Chaos, just sort of, like, inserts an alternate dimension into the Hall of Justice as, like, his own personal bar for them to meet him at. It's super cool. (laughs) And that's when you get the whole backstory of what I mentioned last week, that um, 
the Lords of Order were the ones that had imprisoned Hecate. Mordru was the actual uh, jailer and head torturer, but had a falling out with them. All these things having to do with magic, these different uh, artifacts of power, even things down to uh, how Zatanna casts her spells by saying words backwards are imposing a form of order upon magic, which is just belief and formless hope and chaos, which is how he likes to see it. So in order to fight back against the Lords of Order, who are currently trying to basically let the Upside Down Man and all the other kind into Earth so that they can just gorge themselves on the magic there while the Lords of Order seal off our entire dimension and impose ultimate order upon the universe by completely getting rid of magic that way. JLD was such a wild book. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's sounds pretty freaking out there uh, in a great way. Mordru basically goes, yeah, so uh, your father got me to promise something. So, yeah, that ruby of life, you guys can have some of my power. Go have fun fighting the Lords of Order as the new Lords of Chaos. And so for, like, an issue, they're the new Lords of Chaos, which is awesome. You have Zatanna speaking in anagrams instead of backward, backwards. Um, That's very, very cool. You get a revelation that her father, that Constantine was actually a acolyte of her father that had her father had come to Constantine while he was uh, in asylum at Ravenscar and had sort of set up a lot of things in her life for this to come to this moment so that she could face off against the upside down man um, with the powers to it's really complicated, but the we're going to end up reading this story because it has huge implications on like where magic is going to go from here, from here on out when we get to Justice League Dark. But basically, they contain all of the magic together in a way, and it's given... The power is given to Zatanna to rewrite the laws of magic because there still needs to be some form of order to it. It doesn't need to be ordered the way the Lords of Order had tried to arrange it but too many things go wrong if it's left as simply chaos and zatanna goes guess what i'm not going to do because it turns out my entire life was groomed and set up to be the one to make this choice i'm going to give it to wonder woman wow that's kind of brilliant actually like <laughs> it does sum up one of the things i like about zatanna one Weirdly rebellious for someone who modeled her entire thing off her father. And um, just smart. Just knowing when to be like, this is out of, forgive the pun, but this is out of my league. And that takes it up to, I think, like six months ago. And there is still another storyline to finish off that run, but I haven't read all through it yet. So that's where we'll finish it off here. Um... Maybe even like eight months ago, to be honest, but... Sometime during COVID. Yeah. Uh, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about uh, our reading of the week. After reading this book, I definitely would love to see a solo Zatanna book written 
by a woman, there was definitely some parts that was like, oh, this is a dude writing a woman. <laughs> <laughs> this is a dude writing a woman who knows how to write and is not doing a bad job, but this is a dude writing a woman. It definitely happens. I mean, like, it, it's the comic industry and we live in a patriarchal society that favors men. That it's gonna happen. And you can really tell when... Paul Denny is usually pretty good, but every once in a while he'll fall for some really classic dude writing women. And it's and it's tropes. very just like a classic, a very broad stroke trope that I'm just like, oh, okay, I see what... Like, you just were like... Could have been worse. Yeah, could have been better, could have been worse. Exactly. And most of the time it seems like it was just... It, it wasn't even like bad. It was just like... I could see you wanted to use this brushstroke in this moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, luckily, at least for me, that's probably the biggest critique I have of this. Uh, this run is Zatanna, mostly by Paul Denny, although there's a ton of other writers and... God, sort of peppered in. Yeah, and there's like 15 artists that run on this book over the course of 16 issues. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them will do like, oh, here's a short backup story still, but like there is... They go through a lot of artists in All this of book. the short stories were my absolute favorites, I will say. I am apparently a sucker for just like a like a one-shot, one-off um, type comic. A well-done short comic is... It's kind of a lost art in this day and age, so the fact that they did it even like 10 years ago just makes me very happy. This kind of just made me want like an animated Paul Dini's... Zatanna, the Brave and the Bold. Yeah. Yes. I'd go with that. Uh, Fun fact about this one. Zatanna is one of Paul Denny's favorite characters. That's why he got this book. And that's probably... I don't know if they decided to make a Zatanna series first and let Paul Denny do it, or if they were like, Paul, we want you to write a comic for us. And he's like, Zatanna! Either way, I'm fine with it. The the fun thing is, one of the reasons why Zatanna's one of his favorite characters is his wife is a practicing stage magician. That's awesome. She meant, or He mentions in the intro, if you're reading the physical copy, that while he's writing the intro, she's hanging out in the living room making fake icicles for her show. Fun personal fact. From the age of, like, five to eight, I wanted to be a stage magician growing up. Yeah, there was a month. That actually was, tracks with you really hard. There was a month where I wanted to be a stage magician. I think everyone there was, does. Somewhere. There was a little or bit of, uh, or, you know, a little bit of overlap with, like... Uh, like archaeologist, but oh yeah, that was my big one. I wanted to be an Egyptologist. So you know, almost every other magical DC character we're going to talk about. <laughs> and then the back end of the overlap is with like pyrotechnician. But there was a solid bit in there where that's what I wanted to do. And then my little brother kept breaking all the magic accoutrements I would buy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Having been the little brother, that's a classic move, too. <laughs> All right, so since this is like a solid half of the solo series Zatanna's ever had, and then we also read Bloodspell, which was a standalone graphic novel of Zatanna and Black Canary teaming up, also by Paul Demi. Which I love. I actually like it better in a lot of ways. I do too. I um, did as well, and it made it so much more disappointing that there wasn't more of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like it was over way too soon. Same. And I'm like, oh, like I, I went to hit the next page, and I, it started going into like the scripts and like, and you're like no. the arts. No. And like, I'm like, wait, that's, that's it? 
are you, no, I want more of this story. I read that first and then read Zatanna and wish I had done it in reverse in all honesty. So if you listeners have not uh, gotten to your, uh, your homework and read through these, uh, I might suggest that I personally, I like the, the, I wanted more of it. So I felt like it'd be a good, good ender. Zatanna's very good. Zatanna and Black Canary is very good. <laughs> like, this is a kind of... Uh, it is interesting with this, the number of artists that worked on this book that went on to have big successes in the New 52, because this was canceled in 2011, probably because the New 52 was happening. The Cliff Chang, who is the artist in the puppet story, okay, went on to relaunch Wonder Woman. And he's working on Paper Girls with... Uh, oh, no wonder that art looked so familiar to me. Okay. I, I'm familiar with Paper Girls. I love this artist. He's another one of those that somewhere around that time I went, oh, it's time for me to pay attention to this guy. Yes. Joe Canones, we were talking about this before we recorded, uh, the guy who is the artist for Black Canary and Zatanna. Mm. Same thing. That was the specific one when I went, I need this guy to be doing about six times as much work as he is. And that's not a knock on him. There's only and so I much time to be paying him ten like, times what you're paying. Oh, oh, undoubtedly. It, it's kind of hard to talk about this one because, for the most part, they're largely standalone stories, mm-hmm. which is not a bad thing. I actually really miss standalones and one shots and shorter things. But anything that we picked up from this, other than why Black Canary is one of my all time favorite superheroes, I really loved the whole mythos of around uh san francisco being magical and like the setting that they place it in for me that really stuck out there's something about san francisco that works as the idea of a city that has magic like ingrained kind of like chicago in the dresden files Mm -hmm. so far and i'm curious to see what other authors we run into that continue to go with this but of our two of our readings so far, both are have parts where they're pretty insistent upon the sort of old school making sure you know the proper names of things mm-hmm. sort of thing, and how much that can affect what you're doing and what your magic is possible like capable of doing to someone. And then Z continues to use her own name at all times. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, God, that would be such a good reveal. Like if you just have a turn where you find out that that's never been her real name or her family's name. And they just decided to just like, we're going to come up with a fake family name because we're magicians that we'll just use that we'll just that's, use. I'd, I'd like to think that's just the, uh, the the Anglicization of whatever their Atlantean name is. Since the Homo Magi are Could so be Italian. I mean his name is Giovanni. Yeah. I love the name Giovanni. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna put that on a list of kids' names if I ever it, have it always kid. I mean it always bugs me by it's probably his choice. Like you don't That's true. Like uh, but like the thing whenever is... it's John, I'm like, I know that that's but don't. Like, I love Giovanni. <laughs> One of the things that I forgot to mention is they list the various people that Zatanna has direct bloodline to, and it includes Leonardo da Vinci. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do know that she has Italian history there somewhere. Who else? There's some names in that list. Is this is this presupposing that 
Da Vinci is homo magi as well, or on her father's side? On her father's side. Okay. But I am not... But also, that also is somewhat preluded to... Uh, that the, His status as homo magi over the years has gotten pretty... Uh, yes and no, and sometimes depending on which story you're reading. Oh. Yep. Da Vinci, uh, Nostradamus, Cagliostro... The noticed alchemists Nicholas Flamel and Evan Fucanelli. That one I don't know. And Lord Arian of Atlantis. And then her cousin Zach, also, yeah. by the way. <laughs> but, uh. Which, yeah, do we see him come up ever so, elsewhere? Because, like, he just pops up in this book, and I was like, okay, so you have a cousin. Zachary Zatara, this is, I think, the first time they ever actually showed him interacting with Zatanna. Which is strange that he existed before this, but he appeared in a not Zatanna, a Zatanna story. He first appeared in Teen Titans in the one year later storyline. So, I don't know, somewhere around the 30s, probably. I was reading that earlier. That's the only reason I can do numbers there. Uh, but the idea was all of DC skipped their stories one year. And then over the course of a series called 52, they showed what happened during that year. It's actually, it was a really interesting move on DC's part. But during that time, they showed that the Titans had gone through just a ton of members, and they were just showing, like, Polaroids of them. And uh, it, it's a big ongoing mystery of they slowly introduce some of the members, but one of them is Zachary Zatara. When you say going through, uh, my brain thinks they're all dying. Uh, one of them's a traitor trying to murder Raven. Okay. And they're, like, going through trying to figure out which one was the traitor. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> Turns out that Zatara is a jerk, as he is here, oh, yeah. and that he is the cousin of Zatanna. He leaves the Teen Titans because, one, he's a jerk and no one liked him that much, and two, he kept getting involved with demon things happening with Red Devil, and he didn't really like that either. While hanging out with Zatara, Red Devil makes a deal with the demon Lord Neron, which never goes well for anybody, and they get trapped at one point trying to find new Azerath, which is the world that Raven came from and like one of the most dangerous places in magic. And then he would just kind of show up every once in a while of like, Oh, a teenage character needs magic help. Call Zach Zatara. Ah, we found this girl. She's cursed with the werewolves. Call Zach Zatara. <laughs> ah, my, my cousin, he, uh, he's, he turned into a swamp bog. In that case, just call Swamp, swamp But otherwise... Um, uh, he's busy! I asked him already! <laughs> okay, Zach Zatara. Uh, this is the first time... Pharonic man. I, I'm sure Paul Denny, like realized that they never met and was like, what the hell? <laughs> this is unacceptable. He's my least favorite of the three. I do kind of like him as... I, I like the idea of someone's like, well, she's awesome, so clearly we need another her if we're going to have like six Robins. Yes, I... I do like also the the notion of him being also a stage magician living in her shadow in this book that I felt it's a it's an old trope but it worked for me. He is far and away more interesting here than he is anywhere else to be <laughs> honest with you because he's still a jerk in it but they like give reasoning and character behind it a little bit as opposed to just man you're an unpleasant person. You're, you're an unpleasant person, but I understand why. Yeah. 
all right, you have, like, a huge inferiority complex, and you're a popular 17-year... A popular and rich 17-year-old. Not uh, as rich as me, though. <laughs> Zatanna, not you. You are very poor. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, no. I, yeah. I know this because I am very poor. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> I know you're both very poor, but that's because I'm very rich. Nah, I can't even do... I don't like that then joke. Then why are you not paying for this podcast? <laughs> I was going to make a joke about being rich, and it instantly just... And you're like, it I'm uncomfortable like now. It my mouth. It was bad. It's not good. Uh, I, that just didn't make me think of moments that I liked in Bloodspell, where uh, Zatanna is playing with the toys of the Justice Leaguers, and it's revealed that the Justice League leases out their likeness rights, and the, uh, the profits of the toys go towards people who have been messed up by supervillain attacks. Which, one, I just like, because I like the Justice League being good guys like that. In, like, like a small, like, measurable way, like, that's a very good good bit. I'm like, yes, this is this is my steez. But I also like it because they'll show, you know, like, oh, here's my Superman action figure. And I'm like, that's either bootlegged or, like, who's making money off that? <laughs> uh, so explaining why here. But then it just turns out that Zatanna is like, what? I'm a famous stage magician. Of course I'm going to... I'll gonna do sell, toy deals. I sell merch. It happens. <laughs> I have overheads. Do you know how expensive it is to clean a mansion? And to lease a tiger? Or own a tiger? I, I'm imagining you don't lease. You just own. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to meet a person who's <laughs> a tiger. I, I feel like we're just leaning into Tiger King instead of... Uh, Mm-hmm. DC here, and I know which one of those is preferable. I guess anything else. What what were your favorite? What was your favorite scene in in this series? I really loved every bit with the younger Zatanna. Like I really would love a whole series of just like a. Um, and this is just me remembering that I loved the the teen Zatanna in uh, Young Justice. I guess um, the the cartoon mm-hmm. version of her. Uh, but like the in. And blood spell with uh, her levitating to the top of Everest and meeting Black Canary, um, and then the whole story—the one one shot with her getting the braces. Mm. Um, oh, that was very cute. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's simple. It's it's cute. It's charming. I you like it. might enjoy a book called Mystic You, which is a honestly, it's a pandering Harry Potter in the DC universe sort of thing, but it is something happens and the spell is unleashed and it kind of creates an alternate world where all of the mystic hero characters are in magic school. Mm. It's like a college instead of like a boarding school, but it's uh, Zatanna's the main character. There's a recreation of Sargon who is actually far and away my favorite depiction of Sargon the Sorcerer. Uh, the Enchantress, there's a, not Felix Faust, but his son. Okay. Who's like the sexy anti-hero version of Faust. Not actually that sexy, but like 90s trying to be sexy. Okay. Um, he was supposed to be the sexy one, but he was not sexy. I mean, is what I'm understanding. At, at least from my understanding, there's probably people who are like, how dare you? Oh, well. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, there, <laughs> there's something for everyone, so. But. More teenage Satana. I think I agree with you. Uh, it was really weird in Young Justice for me when she appeared and she was, you know, Dick Grayson's age. Partly because I'm just used to her having that, like, 
the older. Well, well possibly romantic relationship with Batman, Batman. And I was like, okay, got to put that part out of my brain really fast. I really liked her and Robin flirting. And I did. That was well done. In Young Justice. Yeah, it, it worked for me. She was one of the better parts of season one, so it was disappointing that she's just not hey, on the team. Yeah, in she has. Two. I mean, well, she has an appearance season two because I remember how her outfit was slightly changed. Yeah, she appears, but she mm-hmm. goes from being like a member of the main team to she's graduated to the Justice League. Doesn't she like? Much. Isn't she supposed to be living with them at one point too? Like, don't they just like? Because her dad they straight up adopt her. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, what happened? I know we don't know this, but like I'm just I'm just realizing this in very. Oh, I think I think there is a throwaway line that explains why she's not around as much anymore. Well, they explained that she was on the team. If you haven't watched Young Justice, yeah. that that group is always just called the team. She was on the team, but she eventually graduated into the Justice League, mm-hmm. like a few others did. So she's doing the same thing, except she's probably like twenty at that point. So she's not necessarily living in you know. Happy Harbor. She might be living on the Watchtower in the Justice League. Like, it's hard to say. But I mean, that's where I would live if I had that option. She's superheroing it mm-hmm. real hard at that point. Uh, cool. Um, and then the only other thing I have a question on is uh, the therapist, that the multidimensional magician therapist. Is that, like, only seen here, or do, is that exist elsewhere in the Marvel Universe? DC. Or, uh, sorry, DC. I would have to look deeper, but I am reasonably sure it really felt like something that was just in this book. Which makes me sad, because it was great. It was a brilliant idea. That is a phenomenal idea. I would read that book so hard <laughs> if it was just... It's not even like you're, you're, you get all the stories through therapy sessions, basically. Yeah. That'd be super interesting. Uh, this book did a whole lot of things that I really wish, and I understand that the DC got rebooted immediately after, but I really wish they had taken some of these concepts and run with them further. In the same way Brother Knight, the like Charles Manson crime lord magician yeah. guy, that I thought was cool. great. I wanted, I super wanted to know what happened next, and I don't think we ever... That said, his uh, his... His, like, black suit, super cool. What was he wearing in that big final battle, or, like, big battle with them? Like, it's, like, like silver and red tunic. <laughs> Sometimes DC super cho- suits make choices. I like Susanna. I think she's cool. I uh, She falls under s- kind of specifically the range of characters that I have a big soft spot for. Of They get a lot of appearances, but they rarely have their own title. So you kind of have to follow them across different books when a writer picks up an affection for them. Yeah. I I mean, I, di- I dig me some Zatanna. I, I was going to try to... I don't know why I was going to qualify it with something, because I just dig me some Zatanna. Yeah, she's not my favorite character of all time, but like... It's just, I usually run into her because I'm reading other people. Yeah, uh, which is how she exists. But I've never read a Zatanna story, honestly, I don't think I ever have, that I went... Well, that was bad. They've been okay ones. And other than the start of the new 52, which even that is only like you only see maybe an issue issue and a couple other flashbacks worth of stuff. Like, I love how nebulous every writer has just left <laughs> her past relationship with Constantine. 
Yeah. It's like, yeah, they dated for a bit. Anyway, and on Constantine's side too, it's like, yeah, so they dated for a bit at one point. Yeah, it was it was dating. They dated. <laughs> they have They did the things you do when you date. They have like a really deep connection and affection for each other, but also she's super aware that he's John Constantine. Mm-hmm. And so he sort of sucks. But almost every writer that handles her also also like, we have to bring this up at least once. <laughs> yeah, so we dated, so she dated Constantine. I mean, if they're in the same room at any time, it's like, you just got to bring it up. They dated. Well, and especially. Those two. Those two. Especially Moving with the forward. rise of Constantine as a character, because, I mean, he was always popular. His series ran for 300 plus issues. But for some reason, and it might have been the Matt Ryan TV show. Constantine exploded in the we'll last. We'll talk about years. that. Being being the fan I, that Sorry, I am, I we'll save that some for the trends. Constantine episode. We're already <laughs> well into this one. Um, any last thoughts on Zatanna? Zantana. That's my last thought. Cool. Zantana. Thank you. <laughs> I do like her new Fifty Two costume. I only like it with the coat, <laughs> with the little half coat. I just don't like crop tops for. Superheroes, it just looks uncomfortable. Um, but next time we will be dealing with someone who definitely doesn't show much skin. We will be dealing with Doctor Fate, who is probably the best appearance, like costume design wise. Mm. We'll talk about that. That helmet is fire. It's fire. We will be reading JSA Justice Be Done. It is issues one through I believe five of the. Uh, 90s JSA series written by James Robinson and I believe David Goyer. Oh, 2000s. Early 2000s Justice Society series. But still, it's very good. That's all the time we have set aside for our lesson today. For those of you staying on the island, the hourly game of Lawn Dart Tic-Tac-Toe starts soon. For everyone else, we hope that your cruise back to the wild world of nerdery is swift and safe and super fun. Bon voyage. Thank you for listening to this episode of New Byland. If you like the show, please hit subscribe. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, that would also be super helpful. As always, we are part of the Earworm Podcast Network and would greatly appreciate it if you could go check out all of our sister shows over at earworm.com. That's E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. A big special thanks to Ian Ford for our theme song and music. We'll catch you next time.